Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. And welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mount Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. And if you are looking for a new hot tub, there's probably only one place to go in town. No joke. You walk into a lot of hot tub stores right now, and they're going to tell you it's going to be, I don't know, 8, 12, 16 weeks. Still because of COVID, the supply chains are really, really slow right now. Not at Hot Tub Outlet. The uh, owner, Tracy, she got ahead of the curve. And right now they have a huge inventory of hot tubs, two different warehouses ready to sell right now, 15 different models. And they have truckloads of hot tubs delivered every month. Don't wait if you want a hot tub. Get one right now at Hot Tub Outlet. If this sounds like you or somebody know, they got them. If you want them, go to Hot Tub Outlet in Littleton or go to HotTubOutletDenver.com right now. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. So, Mace, before you and I started doing the show, I was doing the show with Les, and we asked uh, Ryan Clark, who writes for The Athletic, to come on the show. And he, to me, felt a little apprehensive that he hasn't done a lot of radio. And he did our show. I'm thinking, man, he was terrific. We got to get him on all the time. And apparently another radio station in town heard him and decided to hire him away. And he couldn't come on our show anymore. Well, now he's covering the Seattle Kraken. That contract <laughs> is over. Ryan is back. What up, baby? Well... After that kind of introduction, yeah. I'm terrified to talk for the fear of saying something stupid. So, thanks, Eric. You played yourself. No, seriously. I, I loved having you on. Then I called you one time, or I texted you. I said, can you come on? You're like, oh, I'm working with KOM. I'm like, shoot. Are you kidding me? We just lost a really good hockey analyst. Well, as far as writing goes, you are now covering the Seattle Kraken. You're the national hockey writer for The Athletic. I know you will be watching tonight's game, Game 3, Avs and Golden Knights. And I, do you expect to see tonight's game more like Game 2? Certainly not like Game 1. Game 2, yes, because if you're the Golden Knights, yes, you're down 2-0 in the series. But one of the things they've really got to be able to do is not only get out to a strong start, but find a way to capitalize that in the sense of not only do you get up a goal, but you get up two goals and you make the Avalanche really chase. Because when you look at this postseason, aside from Game 2, the Avalanche haven't really been in a position where they've had to chase a game. They've usually been the one dictating the terms. And so if you're the Golden Knights, that's exactly what you want to do. It's why you're seeing Robin. So it's why you saw them go from Robin Leonard to Marc-Andre Fleury. You're going to see them stick with Marc-Andre Fleury again. But again, you're trying to find a way to get up on a team like the Avalanche, which they've not seeded ground at all so far through six postseason games. Now, it's probably easy to Monday morning quarterback the Leonard-Marc-Andre Fleury decision going with Leonard in Game 1. But when you saw the Golden Knights come on the ice and saw that Leonard was in goal for Game 1, what was your initial reaction? It was interesting just because when you think about everything Marc-Andre Fleury has done to this point, the fact that he is a Vesna Trophy winner, 
the thought was maybe they go with him with game one, given the layoff that Robin Leonard had. But at the same time, like there is a reason you invested the sort of money you did in, in Robin Leonard, which is why they are the most expensive goaltending tandem. And so it's interesting because on one hand, is it fair to let one game really provide an overall assessment of Robin Leonard? No, because if he'd hit the free agent market, he would have been a lot of teams' top choices. But with someone like Marc-Andre Fleury, you were able to see a difference in game two. Some of that is goaltending. Some of that is simply how the defense played in front of him. Because you think about game one, the Avalanche were able to make some passes. The Golden Knights really just couldn't counter. Whereas if game two, you saw the Golden Knights have moments and sequences where they were able to really sort of constrict play. And at one point, they had limited the Avalanche to, to four shots in one of the periods, I believe it was the second or or third period at one point. And so getting more of that play in front of a goaltender who's tough to beat is what's going to help the Golden Knights. We are talking with Ryan Clark. He uh, covers the Seattle Kraken. He's also the national hockey writer for The Athletic. Let's look at game two. The The Avalanche are a good tape-to-tape team when it comes to passing the puck. They are a very good team on the forecheck. They're a pretty good team when it comes to face-offs. And their speed through the neutral zone is outstanding. It seemed like outside when it was, when I say outside, outside of the power play when it was five on five, it seemed like everything was off for them. Trying to be optimistic about this. Can you make the case maybe the Avs just had an off night or were the Vegas Golden Knights kind of like a little bit of kryptonite for Superman out there? thing about the Golden Knights is they're a team that could conceivably tie this series. The Golden Knights are a team that when the postseason started, people said it was between them and the Avalanche for right. who wins this division, but they were two of the three favorites to win the Cup. You throw them along with Tampa Bay. Those are kind of the consensus three. It's just that the thing with the Avalanche right now is this. Everybody saw how good they looked against the St. Louis Blues. You saw how good they looked in game one. Not that you're expecting every game to sort of be this control-heavy, possession-dominant sort of performance, but at the same time, you're playing a team in Vegas that in a normal year where, again, we're back to the regular sort of seating as opposed to what we've seen this year. This is the conference final. Probably the Western Conference final. And because of that, that's where it's, in some ways, Eric, it's not the normal sort of second-round matchup. And so when you look at, okay, was this an off game? Was it this or that? No, it's the fact that like the Golden Knights are a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. And whether it was second round, third round, even first round if these two teams had met, like there was always going to be those sort of games where the Avalanche may not be able to find as much space as they need. But then when you look at that overtime goal, like, this is sort of the thing that makes Colorado stand out. You're on the power play, and at the point you have McKinnon and you have McCarr. Teams are going to pay attention to them. And then they find Nico Ranton in, in an ocean of space, and you give him time to tee up the yeah, shot. Yeah. And there's a lot of different ways to dissect that sequence, but three things stand out. The first is, if Miko Rantanen were to shoot more and be less of a facilitator, he could probably be a 50-goal scorer considering he has hit the 39-goal plateau a couple times already. The second thing is most teams would love to just have Miko Ranton and Kale McCarr or Nathan McKinnon. The Avs have all three. And, two, and three, when you think about that play at the point, the fact that 
a, a power play has the privilege of saying we can let these two carry possession and let everyone else find a weak spot, like that unto itself is an advantage that a lot of teams in this league just simply do not have. How do you think the Knights kind of emerge from game two in terms of their mental and emotional state? Because you kind of broke down what happened on that power play in overtime. But the Knights, they outshoot the Avs. They do better in the faceoffs. They controlled the flow for most of the game. You'd think playing well enough to win, but it got away from them. Well, it goes back to what led to them losing on the penalty kill. It was the penalty from Riley Smith, and it's those sort of moments that are more amplified after a game because it ended up being the difference. And in a series like this, that's essentially what's going to play such a massive, massive part in how these sort of series are going to be dictated. It's not only who can strike at the right time, but really it's about who makes the mistakes at the most crucial times. And in Vegas's case, it was, for them, one of their most consistent performances of yep. the postseason. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you look at that one penalty, and it's the difference possibly between going 1-1 one and one back to Vegas yep. versus being down 0-2 going home. Listen, every, every team in every playoff or championship run wins a game they have no business winning. And I think that's what it was for the Avalanche. Now, the Golden Knights have to win four of the next five games. But I'll ask you, right now, Avs are up two zip. Hopefully they win the next two, at least from our perspective. Who do you think wins this series? Colorado has to be the favorite. It, it, I mean, it's really, it's really not a thing to, to second guess, and that's nothing against what the Vegas Golden Knights have achieved. But when you think about what the Avalanche are at this point, it's between the McKinnon line and the Bergeron line for arguably the best line in hockey when everyone is healthy. They have secondary scoring, and they're doing this without the likes of Nazem Kadri. And better yet, to put it in this context, when this is a team that can afford to play some combination of Sampo Ranta, Connor Timmins, and Alex Newhook, that those are three guys that at various points have either been in the AHL or in Sampo Ranta and Alex Newhook's cases were in college, and they are still rookies. Connor Timmins technically qualifies as a rookie, though he's been playing pro hockey for, for two years now, and you can still do that while being a playoff team. That says a lot about the strength of what they have there. All right, Mace, excuse the inside joke, and to all of our listeners, excuse the inside joke, but Ryan... You will always be my avalanche insider. You know what I mean? No. I appreciate that. You know what that's, I mean? That's very you, kind. You know, you know what I mean? You, to say. you know what I'm talking that's, about? That's very kind of you to say. You, um, you are our abs insider, period. How's that? that that's very, very uh, yeah. kind of you to say. But, yeah, no, look, I mean, <laughs> talking about the abs on radio, it, it's, it's definitely a trip because it feels like it wasn't that long ago, but it's been a year now since it's like oh yeah that that used to be my life on an everyday thing but to be, to be serious like when you look at what this team is doing when you look at what the nuggets are doing like it's such an interesting time to be a sports yeah. fan in denver right now because you think about the way it used to be it wasn't that long ago people weren't going to what was then known as Pepsi center to watch games whereas if now that's going to be a very interesting place to be the next three to five years. 
real quick, Ryan, on, on the Ryzen, since you also cover the, the Kraken, they're going to have their expansion draft from the Avs. Who do you think the Kraken might have their eyes on in the expansion draft? The answer to that question two weeks ago is different than the answer now versus it could be different by the time the expansion draft gets here. But in terms of possibilities, Ryan Graves yep. is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Jonas Donskoy is a possibility. What's really fascinating and what's really going to tell everyone a lot is what happens with Gabriel Landeskog's contract. So right now he's an unrestricted free agent. Well, he's going to be a pending unrestricted free agent. The Avalanche can do one of two things. They can protect him and try to sign him to a deal, or they could expose him with the hopes that maybe they can agree to a deal with him after the expansion draft. And doing that would allow them to protect, of course, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranton, which is going to happen. Right. Andre Burakovsky. Right. That's if they expose Landis God. If they don't expose Landis God, oh, excuse me, let's start from the beginning. So let's say they, they keep Gabriel Landis God. You're protecting Landis God, McKinnon, Ranton. Well, who's that fourth four do you protect? Do you protect mm-hmm. Nazem Kadri? Do you protect Andre Burakovsky? And right now, when you look at what this team is doing without Nazem Kadri, yeah. mm-hmm. it's a very interesting question to consider. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you expose Gabriel Landis God, then you can protect all four of them. But then again, what's stopping the Kraken from throwing a lot of money at Gabriel Landeskog? Whereas if the Avalanche, this is the same offseason, they've got to pay Kale McCarr and Philip Grubauer. And you know what? The way Brandon Saad's been playing, that's another conversation the front office has to have as well. No doubt. Hey, Ryan, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. You got it, guys. Take care. All right. Ryan Clark from The Athletic. Coming up after the break, longtime friend of mine, Tim Ring. Longtime, longtime Phoenix sportscaster. He's going to help preview Nuggets, Suns, Game 1. It starts on Monday. We're previewing it next. Uh-huh. And then we lose consciousness. She says that I've been waiting for you. And I know you've been chasing me too. Since they kidnapped me from a castle. I've been thinking of you.